I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second Hall of Fame podcast of 2016 for the 2017 Hall of Fame. And today, as you will already know, uh, we're going to be focusing on sports cars, and we have the 2016 winner and Hall of Fame inductee with us, Derek Bell. Thank you so much for having us down to your this lovely spot of England that seems to be the only sunny spot in England full stop today. <laughs> yes, it'll probably be raining before you leave, but anyway, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, we have the little microclimate, and uh, it is quite amazing when that guy arrived just now. He said, yo, you just have this climate right here, and he drove off back up to Staines, you know, <laughs> knowing that and he obviously he's used to coming into this microclimate in his truck. Um, so today, our, our main task today is to come up with another a set of 12 names for the public to vote on in the sports car category for next year's Hall of Fame. Um, so we'll come on to that in a bit, and there are some rules and regulations which I think we sort of understand. Um, just about. Just about. Um, so we'll come on to that in a bit. What I wanted to do um, is take some readers' questions, because we've had loads of readers' questions, um, ranging from... Uh, how you get your hair to look so cool to uh, various more motorsports-related topics. Um, I will probably go with the latter today. Um, first of all, um, who knew that not only were you a racing driver, but also a barista? We've all been having your delicious coffee this morning. So <laughs> very thank nice you. Yeah, too. thank you very much for that. Um, I'm going to come straight in with a, with a reader's question from, uh, from John Bishop, actually, um, which is talking about your old teammates. Um, and How much time have we got? Uh, well, I <laughs> there's so many of them. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, but he wants to know which one made the biggest impact on you during your career. It's really, really difficult, but I, I would have to say Jackie Hicks, <clears throat> simply because he was really the first sports. I mean, Joe Siffert was there in the beginning and Pedro, but bless them, they weren't around long. But Jackie was sort of part of my first Le Mans win. And, um, and then thereafter, he was part of my second Le Mans win and my third Le Mans win. And so, therefore, there has to be, he did have an impact. And I think he had a tremendous impact on my sort of mentality about racing. I mean, I wasn't a wild, stupid guy, but I think he, having him around me, he, um, people respected him so much within the teams. I mean, wherever we walked, it was Jackie X, uh, Jackie X. And it, I knew with Jackie, that um, I was going to get a bloody good car. It seemed that if I wasn't with Jackie, and Gary might remember some of this, I sort of would go, it ain't going to work because I'm not with Jackie. Um, and it didn't often didn't work. I, I didn't really do that well if I wasn't with him. Now you're going to say, well, because he was so much better than you. But I think in the end, or during that period, 
I became equally as good as him over an hour or even quickest lap times. And, you know, I beat him quite well on a few occasions over the years. So I think I, he, he brought me up to his level in a mental level and also a driving capability level. And also I didn't crash it because he never really crashed. And I therefore never, I went through most of my career without crashing either. So uh, he was had a great sort of um, impact on me, I thought. Had an amazing aura, or he has got an amazing aura about him. Did he have that at the time? It was a totally different aura. It was very, I, I would have to say, and I'm sure he's not listening, but um, he, he had quite a, a selfish aura. Uh, he, was, he was introverted aura. He didn't talk to many people unless he had to. <laughs> He didn't suffer fools. Well, there's nothing wrong in that. So I was mi miracle he ever got on with me, really. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, he, he, the thing was, he, he came from, I think, a fairly, I would say, a modestly wealthy family. Lawyers, his father and his brother. And, and um, of course, he started, if you're doing, you know, trials and stuff when you're 16, somebody paid for it. So, you know, I didn't sit in a car till I was 23. And I think in his case, something, somebody helped him on the way. Don't get me wrong, it might well have been him, but I don't think he was earning money at 16 or whatever age it was. And so consequently, um, he sort of came from a different background to me, I think. Now, I've never really inquired about that. Mm -hmm. But um, when you start that young, you know that they had to have some help. Yes. And, he, you know, he was very good. He was European champion, I think, in some trials and that sort of thing. And then, of course... Uh, it was immediately, side, you know, went to Ken Tyrrell. And he went, I mean, fancy going straight to Ken Tyrrell. That's not a bad thing to go where Jackie Stewart's been or was at the time. So he obviously was terribly talented. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he went, and I wouldn't say money helped at all then. It was purely his talent. And wherever he, but he always had this air of, uh, I would say, perhaps a little bit superior. Mm -hmm. And I know lots of drivers, my dear old Mike Hellward and various people didn't like him because oh, really? he, they felt he was maybe a little arrogant. Uh -huh. um, but Jackie only did what was really good for Jackie. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like being a team member of his or because what was good for Jackie was again good yeah, for Derek. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. So um, consequently, um, he, he, he was just, he just had this air about him, this awe about him. And I mean, I then met him at Ferrari, you see. And um, um, he was in Formula One when I joined Ferrari in 68 and I was in Formula Two. Then my first uh, Grand Prix was with him against him at mm -hmm. Monza. And Chris was on Eamon on the front row and Jackie the second row, me on the third row. And uh, I was really t cheesed off because I wasn't quicker. I mean, I was mm -hmm. on the third row of a Grand Prix grid. I should have been quite happy really, but... I guess if you're a Grand Prix driver, young up and coming of 25 is young, um, then, you know, perhaps, um, I, you know, I should have been the way I was, but I was disappointed I wasn't quicker. Mm -hmm. And so therefore I was with Jackie quite early on and he had, a, he had an impression, as did Chris, of course. Um, the, well, John also says that he loved meeting you on occasion at the Daytona 24 Hours, and you always took time for a chat and an autograph. So, um, well done you. It's, it's paid off. <laughs> yeah, th thank you very much, John. That was very kind of you. The, um, fact, the reason being is that nobody knew who the hell I was, and they're all, they're all gathering around Jackie E. So. <laughs> um, there's, there's another question here, which I wonder whether we've actually, we might have answered with that previous um, question. And this is from someone called Flying Kiwi. I don't think that's his real name. Um, if so, he's, he's got some, some, um, some bold parents. Um, so if you had to step out of the driver's seat and into the passenger seat, who would you have driving you, which car and which circuit? 
I'm not at all keen on any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder. It's a typical mind, racing driver. My mind runs back to Spa, you know, on the old track. And if I went with a passion with anybody, not too keen. I have to say that it did actually happen. And I went, I, I was trying to learn the Nürburgring with my dear old 3.8 E-type Jaguar. Because oh, wow. I'd, you know, never been to the ring back in 68, beginning of 68. And I thought I should learn it in something rather insignificant you know, in the race-wise. So I was going to drive a Chevron B16. And um, anyway, so I was going around in the E-Type. And I did about five laps and had no brakes left. And it was all overheating. And I wasn't going that quickly. And I still didn't know where the hell I was. And so um, uh, um, um, one of the French drivers, Patrick Depaye, came up to me, who really only knew me through Formula 3. And he said to me, hey, Derek, why don't I take you around? I've done a couple of 84-hour races here. And I suppose if it's going around any track... Nürburgring is probably the one that, you know, you're going to suffer the most. Was that, that really Depaye? Yes. You think? Oh, right, okay. Yes. Well, do you think I was bloody lying again? No, no, I just thought... He, you, you've been around motor racing too long. You don't believe anybody, do you? <laughs> different different eras, I was thinking. <laughs> no, <laughs> no way, one, there's only about a year, you know. Oh, right, that, okay. That's an, a year, not an era. Yeah, it's yeah, just okay. years yeah. spelt the other way around. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> anyway... Uh, I love Gary. <laughs> okay, he only appears when you don't want him. Anyway, um, yeah, and so he said, come on, jump in my little Renault Alpine. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, he had done, you know, those little things are about two foot six high, yeah. total height, and he wasn't terribly tall. So I squeezed myself in, and off we went round the ring. And I have yeah. to say, I did learn it remarkably yeah, right. quickly. And yeah, right. then... So is that because you were so desperate not to do another lap with him that you, you just, you had to learn it quickly? No, well, actually, yes, it, 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 funny enough... If somebody takes you around Silverstone fast, it's pretty frightening. But to be taken around the Nürburgring, it's absolutely mm -hmm. educational and amazing. And the thing about the ring is that once you realize that the bloke isn't about to crash, he's not mm -hmm. really trying to overshow himself, um, that, you know, you're very happy to sit there because you're taking it in. Around Silverstone, you know what the, I know what the limits are. And if I see mm -hmm. this bloke coming in, everything locked up, facing the wrong way, I know we're in a spot of bother. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, honestly, Patrick was probably the best example of anybody learning a track. Was he smoking whilst driving? And, uh, no, he, he had both hands on the wheel, oh, right, believe, okay. me. <laughs> yeah, believe me. And he didn't have it turned the other way in his mouth when he went round a corner. Oh, right. like <laughs> um, we, d we mentioned this earlier, uh, before we actually d we went on air, as it, as it were. Um, this is from Doug, Doug Greenwood, and he's wondering whether you would rather one more lap at Le Mans in 83 to try and catch Holbert, or one more lap of fuel in 88 uh, when Ludwig ran dry. Well, in, in reality, um, the second, but the first one, if I had another one lap, we would have won it because they didn't, they weren't going to go another no, lap. Their engine so was we gone, were due to yeah. win. So another couple hundred yards would have done, actually. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the, the, um, the, the race in 88, did we say? Uh, yes, yes. In, uh, yeah, the 88 race yeah. um, I call it the Ludwig race I can't think why but, um, <laughs> and uh, that, uh, that we could have done just with another lap in that because I thought we when you deserve to win well I think we deserve to win in 83 too but I think when you deserve to win like the way we'd you know driven and driven and driven so, so hard and led the race only to find that um, one of our teammates tried to do an extra lap to prove he was a better German than the others a bit tough but I still really get on well with Klaus, and mm -hmm. he really knows that he screwed up. Really and I remember during the race, they said, hey, Ludwig gets in again, and we said, stuck in. I said, he ain't getting in again. No, we leave him out until it we, really yeah. We were both very upset. Blimey. 
Um, we've got a lot of questions here from someone called Racing Red, um, and and they're all and the, the title of them is Memories from Maranello. So um, I'm I'm no guessing man, but I would say he's a Ferrari fan. I'm just um, wondering about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so what you would love to know is actually what it was like to get the call from Maranello and what it was like meeting Enzo for the first time. Because it must have been quite a yeah. surreal experience, I would have thought. I've written a very good book, um, I think. <laughs> is it available at it all good It is still available, yeah. yeah. They, they certainly have run out. And get out there because Redmond's isn't nearly as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Brian's book is fantastic. And John Fitzpatrick is coming out any day now as well. So. I think it's out, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, it's out. This it's I reviewed in this month's Motorsport magazine. Yeah, it is, I, sh I should have known that. It is actually. It is actually. Uh, you should, actually. But no, it is. Uh, both of them are good books. But um, 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 sorry, Marinello, how did it come about? Well, um, I got a. I mean, can you imagine? You're, I just got up into Formula Two and I'd done a couple of races, and the, the tragedy of Jimmy Clark dying in my second race, which was at Hockenheim. And he was my hero, utterly, uh, no, utterly, as far as, you know, the longevity and, and what he had done and who he was and what an amazing person. And uh, there he was you know, not surviving Hockenheim. And after that, I didn't know really whether I was going to carry on racing in so many ways. Um, but it's funny, for some reason, you just carry on because that's all you set your mind at doing was becoming a racing driver. And um, I got a call. I think the first call came from, Ferrari, actually from Keith Ballisat at Shell, to be honest, is how it happened. And of course, Shell sponsored Ferrari. And uh, so Keith contacted me from London and said, you know, Ferrari would like you to go and uh, they're bringing to a car over for Crystal Palace in two weeks' time, three weeks' time. And after the race, they'd like you to <coughs> do a test at Goodwood. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, as you can imagine, I w was pretty damn excited because I never imagined in my wildest dreams that I'd ever get a, a, a request from Ferrari. So um, I said, yes, that'd be wonderful. So I was racing at Crystal Palace in my Formula 2 car, Formula 2 Brabham from Church Farm Racing. And um, this was March, April 68. It, it had to be after end of April because Jimmy died in April. And um, so it was, so it was uh, April, beginning of May. And so we went to Crystal Palace and with Jackie X in the car and I was in my Brabham and of course Jackie had a crash. So the car was wrecked. <coughs> and I thought, well, that's my luck, you know, Derek Bells, because you seem to go with luck in those days up and down. So although that's it, I'll never get there. So that was it. We're not testing now. Thanks, Mr. Bell. You know. Anyway, two, two weeks later, I got a call. Would you come to Monza and test there? So I went to Monza and tested there. There were about 12, 14 of us, but I think most of them were Italians. And Enzo, for some reason, wasn't too keen on Italians, which is very unfair, apart from he couldn't afford the repair bills all the time. <laughs> so um, <coughs> so uh, anyway, I somehow must have impressed. I don't know what the lap times were. Mm -hmm. I knew the track, obviously. We'd all raced Formula 3 and Formula 2 there. And I got the call, and, and so they said, okay, Herbel, um, not Herbel, Senor Bell, you come down to Maranello. So I went down to, it's down to Maranello that night in my Fiat 124, and um, stayed at the Cavallino, uh, not the Cavallino, the, anyway, the Santa, um, what the heck's it called? The Ray Alfini Hotel. Stayed there the night, and um, it was, uh, there's lots of stories involved with that. Well, it, it doesn't affect my driving ability, but it was quite funny getting to know the local culture okay. rather quickly. <laughs> <coughs> and um, so the next day went out to the factory, and I was picked up and taken out there. And, uh, of course, you know, I walked around the factory. With, there was nobody working. I was there with the, one of the secretaries, a male secretary walking around, nobody working, and he said, oh, I, s I looked and he could say, well, there's no people anyway, not even the race shop. He said, oh, they're on, it's a national holiday today. I thought, that's unusual on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. 
So, but I learned over my next two years that in fact national holiday meant they're on strike. Oh, really? <coughs> and as a shop at all. It's one of the few tiny words I can still remember off the yeah, top I of my know, head. I didn't want to say that. There were so many of them. I didn't realise you were so e- educated, actually. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm definitely not. <laughs> yes, <that's right. laughs> uh, so um, yeah, so that was it. So then, anyway, I was walking around the factory, seeing everything. It was astonishing. Long story, obviously, and then sort of around the corner came this gentleman with his, or the smaller chap beside him, the gentleman who was his sort of white raincoat over his shoulders and his tinted glasses and that incredibly smooth hair. And this chap with me, he said, oh, here comes old Commandatore now. He is the one on the left, as if there was any doubt <laughs> which one was Enzo. And we talked, and it was most amazing. It was a sight which nobody's ever had. And as I often say, you know, poor old Michael Schumacher, he made, might have made millions and everything, but he never saw Enzo Ferrari. And I saw him literally walking down between the cars, reds and yellows, up on the assembly line, walking towards me. Mm. The picture that would be in the front of a magazine, it was absolutely yeah, incredible. And that was my first impression of Enzo. So then we went to the Cavallino and had lunch. And he mainly wanted to talk about Jock and Rint. He obviously had a buzz, well, he should do, because we were have he and I in Formula 2, and... Um, mm-hmm. Um, Jochen and I were finishing first and second yeah. quite a lot in those early races, and so um, anyway, he you know he was just very interested in, in the whole thing and what my f- what I thought my future was, but he was really caught up in Jochen Rint. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, he's what the hell's he brought me here for? <laughs> he could have phoned me for that, and um, so that was it really. And that was my and then they said would, but at the same time, I'd had a call from Coopers to drive. Cooper Formula One. I had you. And no, exactly. And um, so I, and so that I went actually to this is an (laughs) I went to Silverstone to um, to actually test the little B16 again, the one that I never got around to at the Nurburgring. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Colin Chapman's there, and he's there with the STP Lotus turbine, and Mm -hmm. Graham's going around, and he looks up to me on the balcony, and he goes. You're going well this year, and I look around thinking, who the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I went, oh, thank you very much, Mr. Chapman. Yeah. I thought, you know, God has spoken. So five minutes later, he says, come down here. So I went down, and he said, you drive an automatic, and he sent me out in his Jag to do five minutes run. I said, I can drive an automatic <laughs> now. I can drive anything with 800 horsepower. Wouldn't, yeah, yeah. wouldn't have been a great yeah. advert for you if you yeah. said, actually, yeah. I'm, I'm totally, out of, <laughs> totally yes. out of my depth with That's an automatic. Right. 800 horsepower. I'd never driven anything more than 200 at this point. And there I get in a bloody 800 horsepower turbine round. So anyway, I was literally sitting in the car in my overalls, ready to go out to test. And they said, we can't let you out because we can't hear where Graham is because they don't make a noise. And you could hear was the, was the pads hitting the discs. So and then I sat there for ten minutes, thinking, "My goodness, mate, this is all in the time my bit with Ferrari." Yeah. And I'm going, "Oh my goodness!" And um, anyway, next thing is they can't say, "Sorry, Graham's car's transmission's broken. He's going to take this." Amen. So I got out, and that was it. So you, you were sat in it, helmet on, ready in it, yeah. to go. Absolutely, I have a photograph somewhere, but I I haven't come across it. But but I know there is one because I remember seeing it. it. Looked bloody boring, me sitting there just sitting in the paddock with this my helmet on, looking crumbs. What am yeah. I going to go and do <laughs> now? And um, so that was that. And at the same time, of course, I had then subsequently, I then went straight almost to the test at Monza. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I had to come back to Silverstone to test for Cooper. And they oh. wanted me to drive that big Cooper Maserati. Oh, right, okay. And eventually I wouldn't, so I went backwards and forwards two or three times. Ferrari were offering me Formula 2 with a view to Formula 1. Mm-hmm. And of course, Cooper offering me Formula 1. And this is the car you'll have next year, Mr. Bell. And I'm going... Well, it's take that long to build it, you know. And then we talked about a contract, and I thought I'd pick up, you know, maybe fifty thousand quid or something. Mm. I mean, surely they'll pay you something. All these Formula One drivers got money, 
And uh, it, we actually got down to the fact of a nominal fee of five pounds. Is that right? Yes, that was my offer from Cooper's. So um, that was it. Nothing's changed. No. <laughs> so, now and then. so that was it anyway. Apologies, but it wasn't John Cooper that said that. It was his uh, sidekick. So that was the end of that. So I actually decided Ferrari had to be. It always want, needed to be Ferrari. So I went to Ferrari. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a long, long story, but I won't go on. We've got no time left for that. No, no, no. Well, there's actually, there's a sort of follow-up question from, from Racing Red. Um, he wants to know the good and bad points of racing for Ferrari. And I think we've covered some of the good points, certainly, in terms of, you know, this, this um, it was the most famous team in the world, isn't yes. it? Um, I but the must, there was, it wasn't the easiest of teams to race for, I think, because of politics um, and various other bits and pieces. Yeah, I, I think, as far as I was concerned, I was very obviously number three in the team. And Enzo was trying me, I don't know whether he knew Jackie Hicks was leaving, I'm sure he didn't in June. I don't know what he had in mind because he was bringing in the new flat 12 the following year and of course being a bit of an ignorant I idiot, I didn't know what was happening next year. Mm -hmm. But I know he was just trying to find out how, how well I went, um, just generally speaking with a view to the future. Um, so to be honest, um, I, I didn't know what, what was going to happen and what I was being offered for the future at all. Um, so there were no promises. And um, as I say, I mean, I always got, I mean, they'd phone up and say, El Commandatore will have dinner with you tonight. He'll pick you up at 6.30 and we'd jump. He'd come around in his brace, you know, wearing his, br you know, the braces, suspended, well, braces, we call them. And, you know, the door would be opened and then I'd leap in the car and off we'd go for dinner. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was astonishing experience for me and nothing in the whole, the whole of the time that I was at Ferrari could I say I, I sort of, I, dis I was disappointed in him because it wasn't his fault. Mm -hmm. The fact was we were there at the wrong time and even Marifal Geary three or four years ago when we met, he said, it's such a pity you came at the wrong time because obviously I wasn't slow because I was leading the European Championship mm -hmm. in Formula 2 and I went on to drive quite well for Surtees, you know, that one, the one in the US Grand Prix. So I, I, knew I, was, I knew I wasn't a world champion. I've never felt that, but I was certainly, you know, a good second string driver mm -hmm. and might have been better for all I know. Just talking about Enzo, did he speak in English or no. did he speak through a translator? No, no, no. Just he and I. No, he spoke French, so I had to speak French. Oh, I see. And okay. I think I everybody said he spoke English, but he just wouldn't do it because he right. didn't want to make it easy for me and difficult oh, for him. Right. So we struggled away in French. How good was your French back in those days? Not, much, not very good, oh, but right. he, he did get better very quickly. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm glad this podcast is, is all in English today, otherwise I would be very lost. Um, Back to sports cars. Um, Jack from Norfolk is wondering how the Bob Tullius Jaguar test came about and whether Porsche was aware of the test. Yes, well, you didn't explain it very well there, Ed. Um, Sorry. The Tullius. Blame that on Jack, actually, because yeah. I just read out his yeah, question. Sorry, I'm sorry, so of course that's, you that's did. Not me. Yeah, yeah. I know. You came a Thank long you, way to ask me these questions. You should get them right. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, the Tullius car was raced in America to slightly different rules and regulations to, and I was racing there in the 962s. So in the Lohenbrau Porsche, and we were doing well, Holbert and I were you know, winning at most of the races, I have to say. The Tullius car was always around, but I would say only probably beat us once. And, um, but it wasn't a bad car and it was very sweet and it was the V12, I think I'm right in saying, normally aspirators are therefore quite an easy car to drive in many ways. And uh, they decided that with X and I were driving the 960, I think it was Jackie still, um, driving the 962 at Silverstone and the 1,000 kilometers. And um, 
we won the race on the Sunday, but prior to that, they had, I had a call from Jaguar saying, from Jim Randall, that's right. And he phoned me and said, would there be a possibility of bringing the car over to evaluate it? Would you be prepared to drive it? So I asked Porsche, and he said, fine. I mean, you know, what, the only benefit would be to Porsche if that if the new manufacturer so. came yeah, in. Yeah, that's right. So I went, so I stayed on after the 1,000 Ks, and the next morning went and drove the car. And actually, it went extremely well. I mean, it, it was actually on ITN News that night. I mean, it was quite a big deal. Jaguars coming back to racing in Britain, Le Mans, all that sort of thing. And um, so um, I did a, quite a lot of laps. We didn't change the car much, and I can't remember exactly who was there to run it, but obviously were one or two of Julius guys. And I never knew the purpose of it. I didn't know the Walkinshaw thing was around the corner. And um, so, um, but it just wasn't as good as the 962. It just, remember in America, we weren't allowed as much ground effect and the cars ran a bit higher. So therefore, all in all, it certainly didn't have the grip around the corners that we had. It, it wasn't, I recollect, that much slower. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember, we'd been doing a lot of laps over the weekend. And I don't, I think I gave it a fair run, but I was still, I would say, a second and a half to two seconds slower which you might say, blimey, anybody could pick that up. They probably could if they'd lowered it. But I don't know what their ultimate plan was. Obviously, w I would suggest Walkinshaw, nobody from his team were there, and I knew nothing about that they were headed that way. Um, right, I'm going to be uh, very precise with my questions from now on. Derek, having been, uh, pulled up on it. Um, this one's from Jamie Smith. And um, there's, I think there's always, there's always interest around Steve McQueen, but he wants to know what he was really like um, obviously, you got to know him well on the set of Le Mans, um, and and what how you rated his driving skills because there's two camps out there. There's one camp um, who thinks that he was totally overrated. Um, the Mario Andretti camp. The Mario Andretti, yeah, camp. The Mario Andretti <laughs> camp, let's call it. Um, and then there's another camp who think that he was actually really very good behind the wheel. Um, what what are your memories of him and uh, and his driving skills? Um, you've got to realise that when you're on a film, a movie, as they call it. Um, you always drive a little bit under the maximum because you're not actually lapping the whole track. So you've got to get, up, get going very quickly, go through. I mean, we're using a third or a quarter of the track at a time. I mean, we weren't hanging about. And, um, and, and also, you get very bored if you don't go fast. Um, you really want to drive. I mean, and I insisted after, you know, having seen the Grand Prix film where everything was sort of Formula Fords with, or so they say, looking like Grand Prix yes. cars in a Formula Ford, or Formula 3 chassis, Formula Junior chassis. I always felt that you can't just make cars look faster. We had to drive at the speeds, mm -hmm. and they were the real speeds. So certainly we drove. But remember, I mean, it was, it was, it was basically, I, I'd only done two sports car races. I'd done Spa and Le Mans, and there I was driving in the Le Mans movie. So um, I, didn't, I wasn't the best one to judge anybody. But all I will tell you, I was driving with Joe Siffert a lot on the film, more than anybody else. And Joe was in the 917, Steve was in a 917, and I was in a 512 Ferrari. Mm -hmm as I had raced. And so consequently, I, uh, to my, my answer to that is that Steve, to me, was very, very good. Whether he would have made a great racing driver, I have no idea. But then at 45, he ain't going to start becoming a great racing driver. Give him a break, you know. All the other Mario camp, if you're talking about, which I'd never heard all that. But I mean, they started when they were in diapers. Mm. And so they had to become good. You, it's very difficult to become that good at 45. McQueen drove your Brabham, didn't he? Yes. You took it on that the way somewhere. You took yeah, it at, at Le Mans. Yeah. yeah. He drove it on Bugatti. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, he did. And only because I knew he was good enough to drive it. 
And I mean, he didn't spin it or anything. Mm. I mean, I don't think I ever saw him spin. Oh, right. Now that's bloody good in a 917. Mm -hmm. And then to drive my little F2 round, he went round, he very gingerly went round five laps. Remember, he'd never sat in a single seater to my knowledge. Um, so, um, you know, uh, he was very sensible. Mm -hmm. And considering his sort of wild exterior, yeah. the, you know, the character he appeared to have with bikes in, in, and driving in bullets and that sort of thing. But he was, no, he had his head screwed on correctly. And I, I thought he was ve very good. I didn't have a problem with him, you know, getting in amongst us. And I mean, that one occasion when I was in front and he was behind me, in fact, invariably he was, and then Joe behind him. And we came through the White House. And, you know, we've been through what, five times. Okay, take six. And we came up through the White House. And I thought, and, uh, and I just, just didn't lift off as much. And I didn't break as much. And I flicked it in. It was a bloody fast corner, you know. And we came out the other side. And he was still behind me. Mm -hmm. And we got to the end of the run at the Ford chicane and turned around there. Joe pulled up behind him. And, 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 and Steve leapt out of the car. And his face was as white as his face mask. He said, you bloody idiots. Why do you take me through there so fast? I said, you didn't have to follow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he could have backed off. Yeah. And he didn't. Do you believe the story that during the filming, with obviously there was the Solar Productions 908 with all the camera gear entered in the race. There's a story that during the night he snuck out in the car and did a stint. What do you believe? Do you believe that? No, because well, it's a, it's a, we all want it to be true, don't we? Yeah, I, d I d no, I don't think he did. I mean, he would have been a, because he wasn't insured. I mean, the people that. It was his money that went into the first half of the film, which he then subsequently lost. I can't believe he was that stupid or anybody around him would let him get in a race car and the French organisers let him get in and put on somebody's helmet and pretend to be a photographer. I just can't see it. I know how desperate he was to race in it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he could have been okay in it. Uh, again, I don't know how consistently good he was, but, but no, I d I'm swear he didn't do that. Um. It's time for a few more questions before we move on to the Hall of Fame. Um, was that last question better better phrased? Was that okay? Yeah, you're, you're getting better. Yeah. Well, the, the only way is up. Um, okay, so some, some from Jens P. He's, um, wow, I'm really looking forward to the next podcast with Derek. So um, another of your fans here. Uh, he wants to know about your time at Broadspeed and what it was like to work with Ralph Broad and the mighty XJC. Oh, blimey. It just makes me laugh every time I think about it. I mean, it wasn't a laughable, laughing matter. But Ralph was such a character. It, it's so, so amusing. British team leaders always seem to be characters, even from John Wire throughout my career. They had such an amazing aura about them and a, and a, and a, and a humor. And uh, Broadsby was no exception. You know, I mean, he s never stopped smoking cigarettes and he rushed around at 100 miles an hour. He had to be doing everything himself. And we knew he was on lots of pills because he had some illness, which mm. I think was taking lots of pills. Mm. But um, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> but uh, he, wa he was such a character. Um, obviously, the car, you know, he, he, I, we all said he over-engineered the car, but we're not engineers, we're drivers. So mm. I'll shut up at that point. But there was so much trick stuff on it. Even to the degree, you know, we didn't, you know, everybody said, but you had power steering. Yeah, we had a power steering pump, but it was pumping oil around the engine oh, right. because we needed a dry sump and you weren't allowed a dry sump. Oh, right. So, you know, you'd, you've, you could hardly turn the bloody steering wheel, but by God, we had good lubrication, oh, right. you know. <laughs> but it was, um, <laughs> but there was just saying that he just did some one. I mean, he was bloody clever. Mm -hmm. 
And I can see, really, he w that's where Tom Walkinshaw learned a lot of his mm. tricks, I think, was from Ralph Broad, because, you know, Ralph was just, was brilliant. You know, he, you could write a book about his stuff, and we never got the car quite in time. And so they put us in the Dolomite sprints in a couple of races. But you, the, the classic one was really the head of marketing for British Leyland, mm. three weeks before the first race at Salzburg, said, ladies and gentlemen, we're in a, in a, in a big hotel in London, this is the car we're going to win and Salzburg in three weeks, and the four drivers went, Shit, we haven't driven it yet. <laughs> Seriously, four weeks before the race, or three weeks. So we never, obviously, we drove up Dolomite Sprints three weeks later. And there was a bit of lack of communication between Ralph Broad and the hierarchy. Mm. But um, it was, it, he was very clever. You know, there's lots of stuff on the car. And I mean, basic, I mean, lots of, logically, there's lots of stuff, but there's lots of things that went, went wrong. But it was like, a, I really learned about development, you know. Mm. I mean, the first thing was the fact you couldn't get the engine to run very well. And when it did run, you got the lubrication right. It meant that then you could do more laps. And then you found that the transmission had a problem. And when you got that right, you found, well, we can do even do six laps now without a problem. Right. And then the wheels would fall off. Right. Do you know what I mean? One or and I had, remember one overtaking me at Wood, coming down the Lavent Straight. And I went, this is not good because I... That must be my will because I'm the only one on the track right <laughs> now. You know. And he went bounding by me to trying to balance it, going to work it on three. And in fact, they took it like a day to find it. It bounced over right yeah, somewhere yeah. over into Mithril Racing, as was as is today. But um, I, um, it, it, we had some, we had a lot of laughs. And I can't use half Ralph's language. It was just hilarious. Really? The things he used to say were just. Is, is it true that the engine took six hours to change on that car? That's sort of a, a, a story I've heard. Oh, I'm sure it did. Well, it weighed about a lot. <laughs> well, I'm told the car weighed two tons. Oh, it was yeah. very heavy. It was very yeah. difficult to stop. But uh -huh. my God, it was quick sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, I must, I must, tell, I can tell you the story of it's only really the, the, the best race it did, um, best result it had. We, we knew we would never win a race against BMWs. It's so obvious. The car mm -hmm. was very heavy, as you say, and the light and nimble BMW. So we were going to the Nürburgring, and Andy Rouse was my teammate, and I think it was Tim Schenken and John Fitzpatrick and the other one. I remember saying to, to Andy, I said, look, Andy, we're not going to win here, so let's not go to win. Let's go to finish. Because mm -hmm. round the Nürburgring, the 160 set, this car ain't going to land off every jump. Yeah, yeah. Keep together if we go flat out. So he said, okay. So we did run second. We didn't sort of, we still didn't hang about, but we would let the BMW go as Questor mm -hmm. or somebody's flying off into the lead. So we, anyway, at the end of the race, lo and behold, who comes second? We do. Mm -hmm. We thought, well, that was actually pretty good. And up comes Eddie Goober, who used to write for Power Slide. Mm -hmm. So he comes up in the paddock, walking, and we're walking across to the winner's rostrum for our second place. And uh, so Eddie says to me, that was very good, Derek, very good drive. Excellent drive from you two guys. Thank I, said, oh, I said, Eddie, but we're only second. He said, oh, don't worry, second's good. I said, no, but we've got to win. We've got to win, Eddie, somewhere. He said, look, he said, Viva second once, and look where we are now. <laughs> anyway. So it I was, was second twice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. anyway, it was, it was um, the one race we were going to win famous last words would have been the tourist trophy at the end of that year mm -hmm. and um, uh, we were leading I don't know by much but we were leading pleasantly no problems and it wasn't long from the end and Andy had a bit of a moment oh, going around okay. Abbey Curve and, oh, right. and then that was it we so didn't not a technical fault well, not, well unless he had some wheels fall off but, oh, he, right. didn't, <laughs> but he didn't blame it on anything oh, right. he just said I think I screwed up oh, uh, right, I think we've got time for one more question before we move on to, to Hall of Fame and selecting a new list of nominees. Um, I'll take one from uh, Matt. 
Um, always a pleasure to listen to you, Derek. Um, I'd like to ask him which drive he turned down or was otherwise engaged for that he wishes he had done. Was that phrased okay? I've got a real compliment. I've got a real compliment. No, beautifully phrased. No, beautifully phrased. In fact, I was oh, trying thanks, to. Thanks, Matt. I was trying to find fault with it, but it was. <laughs> um, it's it's actually. There wasn't a. There, there really wasn't a drive that I turned down at you, all because you never turned anything down. Did no, you? I didn't. Did I? <laughs> but I must admit, when I had Ferrari Cooper and even Lotus at that point. And then, of course, at the same time, John Wire wanted me to drive the GT40 at Le Mans when it was in September and I had the test drive. And I would have driven the 68. I would have driven with Pedro, who went on to win, which could have been my first win, but Ferrari wouldn't accept me leaving the team just to go to race for Ford. I can't think why. So um, anyway, um, no, I, th th there wasn't really... There, was, there, was, there were missed opportunities, yes. I mean, I think uh, the, the most poignant one was the fact that at the end of the 71 season with the 917 obviously it was the end of that era sadly and um david york's was off he was le obviously he wasn't required anymore because he wasn't going to be involved with the mirage team and um so he david was going off to martini to run a formula one team and martini as you know ran sponsored porsche 917 so we all knew each other and they and david said if i come to run a team for you derek bell will be driving for me which was really good because he obviously had a bit of confidence in me. So th that was going to be the deal. And actually, he'd, he went along during that autumn of 19, whenever it was, during that autumn, yes, right. And um, he went to Brabham and had a very good relationship with them. And they we were going to run two cars. It was going to be me and Carlos Reutemann in a Brabham team, obviously with, uh, I, th I guess, Cosworth Engines. And, um, of course, at the same time, Techno came along out of the blue and said, come on, we're going to run a car with a flat 12 engine in it. Can't imagine where that's going to come from. And um, we've been great in Formula 3 and great in karting and great in Formula 2, and I couldn't disagree with it. And, I, and David York said they'd come along and they've talked to the Martini brothers who are Italian, the Count Rossi, and, you know, what more would an Italian want than another Italian car to beat Ferrari, which they convinced it would do. And I'm going, oh, yeah, I've been around long, but I know that doesn't happen. So that was it, and we were all set up, and eventually... Um, we, they said, well, okay, it depends on the test. Of course, the test was months late. By then, the Brabham thing had gone out the door. And we go and test, and, um, you know, it ran all day, basically, on, not on a proper, on the Pirelli test track, which meant you couldn't go fast, so they couldn't get any lap times. But it did run all right. And then we didn't race to goodness knows when, like June or July later that year. That was a great disappointment, because I would love to have driven for Brabham, you know, with Carlos, who I knew I was the equal of, in Formula 2, certainly, and Formula 1 wasn't any different, really, it's another 150, 200 horsepower in those days, and the Brabans are always great chassis, and it would have been wonderful, but then I got out and went to sports cars, and I've still been racing, so I guess I, that, that I made okay, the right decision, that, was all, that worked okay, so there wasn't anything, really, apart from that disappointment. Right, let's, let's turn our attention to the Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, congratulations again on, on being voted in as the 2016 sports car inductee. Um, very well deserved. Thank you very um, much. We, so last year we had a list of 12 names that the public voted on and the one with the most votes went in. Um, what we want to do is try and give the public a fresh set of names, but there are three names who came very close to Derek in terms of votes. Not that close, I'm no, sure. No, no, no. Was, it was, it was a couple of laps so. behind, if I'm mm, honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and those were Redmond, Rodriguez, and Alford. Um, so I propose that they should go back in to be voted on again. They're all worthy candidates, um, I would say. D 
disagree, Derek? There's I a totally raised eyebrow there. No, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think of poor old Vic. He doesn't get recognised very much. Do you think he's a great, sort of an underrated uh, one, an, an underrated sports car driver? He is, but he retired. And yes. he, if he hadn't retired, he would have been great. But he, he sort of went bang, bang, did a bit of this, did a bit of Formula One, did, a, did the wonderful rallying, won the Monte Carlo Grand Prix, uh, Monte Carlo Rally, rather, and then won Daytona, both of those in the same year for Porsche. It's absolutely amazing what he did. But yes. then he went and decided he wanted to run his own team. So he sort of shot himself in the foot. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of... A, he was... I, he was amazingly fast. Mm -hmm. He was... He was really... He was a real competitor. Uh -huh. I mean, he—I only knew him very briefly, obviously, but it, so it was brief. Was in '71, and the one person we had to beat every time was Elford mm -hmm. or Elford's car. He was outstandingly quick. He um, had a lot of experience in the 1917. I yes, think, he the and he time. told me that he told me this that he is the only guy to drive every iteration of the car. Well, yeah. he, I could, he could be. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dispute that. He was very close to Porsche. He spoke fluent German. Oh, did he? Yeah, oh, really? Well, yeah. Well, he does now. Anyway, uh -huh. I guess he did then. And um, they obviously loved him because you know he got in there very close to them with the rally projects. Mm -hmm. And because of the rallying, obviously, you spend a lot of time with all these people. Whereas as a race driver, you sort of go for the weekend and come away. Now, you know, nowadays you sort of might live near the team, but in those days you just went off, did the race, and came back yeah. and did another one somewhere else. I think he's an amazing talent. Having said that, Brian Redman had a much better sports car career. Yeah, forget they both did a bit of Formula One. I think in the same diabolical car, actually, but. Well, um, yeah, of course, they both drove Formula Coopers. One. Yes, did I say that? I yes. <laughs> you said that, didn't you? Didn't you shouldn't have said that, actually. <laughs> anyway, because I didn't say that. Of course, Redmond had his big shunt at Spa. I, I, and Rodriguez drove that car too, uh, you yeah, realise. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder whether we're going to have to have our first pixelated bit on the video so yes. that no one knows who's talking. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I mean, I how would you rate Redmond? Because he was a guy who, who almost didn't pursue the F1 uh well, he had a bloody great crash. That was yes. Fun. But you know, he what? I d Brian, I I mean, I haven't totally read his book. I read a lot of it, but and it's very very good. And I shouldn't be saying this about him, but he is a great guy. And but um, but um, he sort of seemed to bail out all the time, and and so he went off and lived in Africa, South Africa. You know, for various reasons. Did he Everybody. during that period? I can't remember just when he went, because the real one of the reasons I got the drive at Ferrari. But then that doesn't totally make sense, is the fact he left the team. But I don't think he, I don't know. I, I, he was at Ferrari before me, and then I went there after him. Mm -hmm. at, the same t at the same time, he, um, but he was driving, he drove the 312 two years later, so he can't have gone far away. No, quite. But yeah. he did have an accident, didn't he? Uh, but he had some several big accidents. Several big accidents, and Obviously then he had, he had the Targa Flori and the Porsche. Yes. So that was the worst, yes. Yeah, so... I th he had a pretty awful career at that point. Ha and then, of course, he, he, he sort of left it and then came back to it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can do that. You know, um, I think you've got to keep going and you've got ahead of speed. You should keep going for it. But I thought he was amazingly talented. And when I drove, I mean, I drove against him in America. And he, oh, he was the king of Formula 5000. Mm, yes. And in fact, I replaced him a couple of times. Uh, in America when he was doing other stuff mm -hmm. and um, you know he was always with the best teams he had to be he was a great talent mm -hmm. but, we're, uh, but we're talking as a sports car driver we're not talking about what yes, he was exactly, like in single yeah. seaters I mean without a doubt if, if we're talking about a hall of fame uh, with just the talent 
of uh, being a racing driver, Brian would have to be mm-hmm. out, uh, outstanding in that. Oh, really? Right. Do you oh, feel yes. he was a real natural? Oh, then? he was. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, what he did, I mean, he just took off to America. At, so that must have been 73. Off he goes to America because he realizes sports car racing's changed here. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was only beginning in sports cars, so I could afford to take the, the, the uh, sit back and just you mm-hmm. know, do be a test driver with John Wire, for example, and drive other things. No, I think he was, he was, at that era, he was certain, in my opinion, the greatest all-rounder. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Gary, what are your thoughts on Rodriguez? Um, well, he's a worth, guy... A worthy candidate for... for Absolutely. There's, a, there's a, a mystique around him yeah. that for someone of my age who never saw him race, I don't really understand. So, you know, everyone talks about the uh, BOAC 1000 yeah. at, at Brands Hatch and the, the amazing drive. Yeah. I mean, what, what was he like to drive against and what was he like as a man well I I, obviously I didn't know I was going to go to sports cars and I certainly didn't watch the race because Mm -hmm. I was at Hockenheim yes anyway I wasn't there Mm -hmm. Um, so I I I didn't get to know him till I joined John Watt in 71 and um, I knew he was outstanding and as a driver it was like god I've got to be with Rodriguez and Sifford you know how the hell am I ever going to go as quick as they do Mm -hmm but ultimately one does, rather like the Jackie X scenario. You learn so much from them, and they are such a target to go for all the time. Mm. But uh, I thought he was outstanding. To me, <coughs> he certainly was the quickest in our team. Really? Jo- right. Oh, yeah. Joe Quicker than Sifford. <coughs> yeah, Joe, Joe could do it, but he didn't do it as regularly as Pedro, in mm. my opinion. And um, maybe Joe might have been a bit harsher on the car. Again, I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But certainly Pedro was exceptionally good. Mm-hmm. And I must admit, after a couple of races, three races in, Pedro said, I, when I got pole at Spa, ahead of Pedro, let me say, but I have to say that because nobody else will. Um, two seconds it was, actually. Really? Anyway, um, and it's on the old track. They're talking about Formula One, how they're averaging the speeds this day, and they're talking about it the weekend at Spa, and they're going, I did 164 mile an average around the old track. Yeah, yeah. You know. Without Imagine, barriers. Without barriers. But, of course, if they went around there now, the bloody cars would take off the road. But they would go 200 miles an hour average. So I'm not saying, but, I mean, you, that was quite special yeah. for us a lot in those days. But, and afterwards, Pedro said to me, I think it's time you drive with me, Derek. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was quite funny, as he ate on another one of his hot peppers. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he was great. Very quiet, easygoing, never said much, just got on with it. Mm. The only thing I will say, and it's not to his detriment, but, you know, you would you survey drivers. And it was very brief because I wasn't with him that long because, I mean, only with him for about five races. Yes. But, or in the same team. But he had, uh, people always used to come and say, God, you should see Pedro overtaking out there. Mm-hmm. And we said, I remember, I, well, I was sitting back listening because I was so new to it all. And people were saying, yeah, but he can't do that forever. He's going to hit somebody one day. Somebody's going to shut the door on him. And he just took, I mean, you saw the Donahue car at Daytona that year. It was, I mean, it wasn't blue anymore. It was covered in bloody mm. grey racers tape. Mm-hmm. He just kept hitting it, you yes. know. And, um, you know, Jackie Oliver didn't do that sort of thing. And, and in many ways, our car didn't get damaged. But mm. but Pedro was just, just went for it. Every and we always felt that, you can't do that forever. And that's an awful thing to say mm-hmm. to a guy who can't defend himself. But um, he, he was outrageously good, but mm-hmm. I think he didn't, couldn't quite control it sometimes. Really I mean, he and Joe hitting at the bottom of, of, of Eau Rouge. Yeah, that brilliant you know, picture. That brilliant was picture. It, it was sort of in the... S- yeah, it was, yeah. So there you go. Would you, would you think Sifford should be on our list as, as a oh. great? 
you know, you look at his successes oh, yeah. in at the end of the sixties, nine oh seven, nine oh eight, and all through that era. Yeah, he was yeah. always he was as quick as anybody. Mm. Joe was. I wouldn't, and probably quicker than. Well, he's certainly quicker than most. But he, I mean, you've got to think there was Siffert and Rodriguez, and um, and 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 and. Um, Elford. Redmond, El- El- Elford, Elford, yeah, yeah, and Brian too. Yes, but I, I would say that Elford was, Elford just had something extra. Really, yeah. against that. I, yeah, I shouldn't say that because I, I, I wasn't. I was in it, but but you see, Brian had moved on when I got into sports. Yes, in a way, although I dosed against him in the three one two Ferrari, and I was in the Mirage. Mm-hmm. But I thought Pedro and Elford and Siffert sort of would take. Maybe extra chances, whereas a lot of the other guys mm-hmm. didn't. What Just was Siffert like as as a man as well? He sort of always looked the, ch- the Swiss gentleman to me in the photographs. Uh, he, he was he was really charming. Uh-huh. I mean he he was very he was he was I, he he was a perfect teammate for me because mm-hmm. um, I got on so well with him, you know. And I used to phone them up, you know, during the week because I get a call from Wow, you and you come testing at Silverstone tomorrow, and I say, see you at Silverstone tomorrow, then Joe. Oh, I not come there. And I'd say, I found out, Pedro, are you coming to... S- oh, I'm not coming. No, I'm not going testing. They didn't want to drive the 9917. Oh, right. they, they were just so terrified after what it had been before, which by is a bit reputation. naive. Mm-hmm. By reputation. Although they had driven it and won the world championship in 70, I suppose. So they knew it was damn good. But it was this funny sort of, yeah, we'll leave it to you and Jackie Oliver to mm-hmm. do the testing. We don't want to do that. But as a person, he was great. Great enthusiasm. Really, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he was a very, really, really nice guy. So a pretty lean year. I lost two teammates. That yeah, day, it's quite, know. yeah. Cause <coughs> Sorry, uh, just before we go on. Um, so I think we are all decided that Redmond, Rodriguez and Alford should go back yes. into the pot for... Um, for now, yes. uh, the ones that we are looking at dropping out and mm-hmm. putting in new names: Rondo, Wire, Jean de Bien, Ludwig, Joost, Bonato, McNish, and Pescarolo. Well, unless, I want to suggest unless Wire, because <laughs> I want I want to hear Derek tell us some stories about John Wire. Because again, I'm too young to remember. I never met John Wire. Uh, I never, you know, I'm, I'm just I am too young. So I just, you know, what was he like to work with? And why was he so good? Oh, well, I think he's experience again. Mm-hmm. And uh, had this dry sense of humour and this sort of... I mean, Frank Garden used to call him Death Ray. Did he? <laughs> right. Because he used to walk around sort of stooping, walking very... He never looked very well. He was always very oh, pallid. Really? Oh, terribly pallid. Didn't say anything to anybody. Walked with his eyes stooped. I remember walking through the, fa- the Gulf factory at Woking one day in the 917. No, it must mm-hmm. have been after at the Gulf. And I was walking through sort of in jeans and a fancy shirt sort mm-hmm. of thing. And he was walking down the other side of the cars, and I went, Mr. W- I didn't quite say, good morning, John. I looked mm-hmm. across, and he went, good morning, Belle, a riot of colour again, I see. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely old, old no, school. No, he was old school. It was just like being at bloody school. Right. And that's why, that's why I loved it, because, I mean, it gave me a great... And remember, you know, I was with him with all the guys we've just mentioned, really, and they'd all been through it as well. And you, you, he was a headmaster. And you just, you know, you had to be, oh, not a good time to talk to him today, mm-hmm. you know. Best things to leave him out of it. And as I say, dear old Frank Gardner used to call him death ray because he only, if he gave you the look, you're going, oh, shit, I'm going to die later. Yeah, right, yeah. You're going to have to pixelate this one. But anyway, yeah, right. but he, 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 was, he, was, he was an amazing character. There, were, there weren't that many stories, but... I mean, you know, the general way the team was run, you had Grady Davis, who was the vice president of Gulf Oil. He was a racer himself in America. And it was he that somehow 
have been convinced that golf should go into racing mm -hmm. and probably he that said we've got to do this he, either john wire contacted him or something else but he went back to the gt40s remember and remember for that john wire ran the aston martin team yes of course. and he had the big fire at goodwood in the sort of the 9-hour race when you know ch throwing churns of fuel in in the middle of the night suddenly the car caught a light surprise surprise yeah, right. oh major the whole bloody pits went yeah. up anyway um well up pretty badly anyway but he was just such he he was he he was the one i mean he, everybody around here john horseman under if you may say underneath who was a very bright engineer mm -hmm. you know had gone through the real routine of becoming an engineer and you had then david york who was sort of team manager come mm -hmm. i'll look after the drivers and make sure they're in the right place at the right time and even when david talked to you you know he would you go hey david what is it Oh, certainly, yeah, whenever you say, you know what I mean. It was like that. Mm. You, and I always thought all the teams I went to would be like that. I went to Ferrari, and I thought it'd be just like that, but mm. it really wasn't at all. And he's like, help yourself. When the car comes in, you may as well jump in, you know. Yeah, right. And um, with JW, it was very, very, sort of very serious, very correct. Uh -huh. And, I mean, their records that they kept were unbelievable. I remember we were at testing the Mirage in, like, 73 or something at Sebring. Bloody thing was awful. I mean, it just was awful, things just falling. I just wouldn't go anywhere at all fast. I remember it, and they'd all sit around and, how are we going to sort this out, you know, on their third martini? And old Wire would say, uh, Arnold, he said, Arnold Stafford used to look after that sort of, he said, Arnold, he said, contact Woking back at the factory, he said, and he said, go to the records of when we ran the GT40 here in 68. And so, you know, Arnold would go off staff and come back with, the something that they had done so when we had a similar yeah, handling yeah. thing. You say, okay, there we are. We'll try that on our Mirage and it would work. Uh -huh. But those sort of, he, he had the records were always, I mean, everything was done longhand. Mm -hmm. And then when you saw them, like at two weeks later, it was all, you know, done out by typing. Uh -huh. I mean, most places I went, it was on the back of a cigarette. Yeah, right, you know. yeah. He was, the, he, he gave me that amazing sort of guidance, which I mm -hmm. say Jackie did, Chris Amon did in many ways to sort of how you, and I'm I totally disorganized myself, so it did mm -hmm. help a lot, but they were just so methodical. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think we're all agreed that why I should go back yes. into the pot. Yeah, okay. Well, so I think we should throw in some new names because well, we would like the public to, to vote on new Whilst we're on people. sort of, uh, you know, engineers, people on that side of the pit wall, Norbert Singer, you know, who is, who is a legend, isn't he? You know, a man who, you know, was instrumental in... I think we can say he played a part in all of uh, Porsche's first 16 mm. Le Mans wins, not obviously in the last two, uh, but yeah, he played a part in all of the all of them. And of course, yeah, he he was he was there as a sort of guiding light when when you went in, um, you know, when your your career kick started again in the 80s. Mm, yeah, no, he was there obviously with a 917. Do you remember him back from those days oh, as yeah, well? I mean, oh right. yeah, I mean when. He, I remember, so, yeah, vividly. He was in charge of the 917 test we did at, at, in the April at, oh, um, really? at, at Le Mans when, you know, I went up, he, he, we were walking across the paddock after practice mm -hmm. at Le Mans test weekend. <coughs> and he says, so what are you pulling on the straight? So I said, 8,100. And he said, that is good because at 8, 2, she blows up. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, okay. I got the message now, which with Ferrari, it's like, take it till you get valve bounce and then shift. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> and then come back from there. That's right. <coughs> and um, so then he got his slide rule out because we didn't have little uh, anything more handy than slide rules then. So he gets it out and he starts, and he starts to laugh. We're still walking across. I've been mm -hmm. driving this thing up and down over 200 miles an hour all bloody day like this. And so Jackie Oliver. 
<coughs> so and Jackie wasn't with me at this point. So what? So he starts to laugh. I said, "What are you laughing about?" He said, "I just calculated your top speed." Mm-hmm. So he keeps. I said, "Well, what is it?" He said, "I think he better you don't know." <laughs> so we keep walking, and he says, uh, "I said, look, Sifford, me, and Jackie and Rodriguez have got to drive this these cars for twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. We need. It's nice to know how fast you're going." And he said, allowing for tire growth, that's 396 kilometers an hour, which is 246. (coughs) And taking the kink flat. Mm. Wow. It's amazing. In a car which didn't have ground effect. Yeah. I mean, we didn't go that fast with ground effect. That's why we only did 230-odd in the 962s, you see. What was the 956, the 962, they were just amazing cars, obviously, very important in your career. What... Why were they such good cars? Was it were they just engineered so well? Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, it was because it was a Porsche. Mm-hmm. I honestly have to say it's, you know, and there's nobody that's done so much for endurance racing as Porsche mm-hmm. in the last forty years or something, thirty years. What they have done with what they came in with, and the, even the P8 factor of insisting on having a nine one seven and putting them into the big time. And then, you know, sort of suddenly they're 935s and then they saw the rules changing and Norbert probably was something to do with the rule changes. And and, and suddenly they're coming up with this monocoque. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I actually got the opportunity to... Ix and I had one in the 936 in 81, the Jules car. And then I get summoned back to the factory for the Christmas thing and and, um, um, Helmut Bott says, oh, we'd like to talk to you about next year. We're bringing in these Group C cars and the 956. We'd like you to be in one of the cars. I said, oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. So I said, so I was looking a bit vacant. I said, what is a Group C car? Mm-hmm. So he said, he said, he said, well, he said, we have never, we're building a monocoque chassis. We have never built yes. a monocoque mm-hmm. chassis. He said, we're also building a horizontally opposed engine. Well, we have that. Mm-hmm. But nobody has ever put a horizontally opposed engine into a monocoque chassis mm-hmm. and he said we've got ground effect as well and nobody's ever done all those together mm-hmm. and I thought it looks a bit bleak this <laughs> yeah. really and so he looked at me and said but we have never been wrong before uh, right. <laughs> so that about sums up Porsche and how they go racing and that um, was it what was Singer like sort of as a because Singer as well as sort of he led the design of all the cars yes. you know, to call him the designer is not quite right no. because he was he focused on the aero yes, uh, and sort of, you know, project managed, if you like. But he, he was very important at the racetrack as well. He Did he basically engineer one of the cars at all the it races? Always, yes, yeah. always did, yeah. So whether that was yeah. you and Jackie no. or whoever later. No, that's right. No, right. He, was, he, was, he was totally in charge oh, of really? that. And oversee, saw basically both of the cars. Mm-hmm. And he's a bloke that you could always, I mean, even after that was over, I would phone him up about something. He'd oh, always really? tell me the honest truth, even oh, right. those flat bottom cars that time. Yes. And I went and saw him. I said, Norbert, my car's shaking and shuddering. Oh, There's a Kramer car. Kramer car's breaking all the mirrors off, going down Mulsanne Strait. I can't go flat out. He said, How thick's the floor? I said, 12 millimeters. He mm-hmm. said, You need 18. Oh, right. And that was for another team. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, but I was one of his drivers, and they, they always have a great loyalty, and even. If I go to the, fa- even some work they did on that little red Porsche five, mm. six years ago, I went to pay for it. They said, no, you're part of our family. Is that right? Yeah. Really? Very nice. Yeah. So, uh, and they've always been like that. Sorry, we could talk. No, not at all. I'm, I'm wary of the fact um, that we have uh, six names in the pot at the moment and we need to find another six. six. But definitely um, singers so are very important. Okay, well, yes. so singer, I'll, I'll put in that at the moment. We can always, if we, we end up with too many, we can drop a few out. Should we stay on the Porsche theme as people who 
uh, have been important in the history of Porsche Motorsport, not just on the driving side, Al Holbert Jr. I mean, a guy you had a lot of success with, but his, his significance in Porsche's history in North America is not just about driving, is it? No, you're right. Um, the only thing I will say is Al was, was there for such a brief time, mm -hmm. sadly. You know, it's five years. I think the people we're talking, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be very happy for Al to be in it mm -hmm. because I think he was, an, he, was, he was probably the best, he was the best all-round driver I ever worked with. Is that right? Oh, yeah. As because he, set, he, could, he, he ran the team. He designed his own, you know, uh, sort of modifications yeah. for the car. Mm -hmm. He would build them. And and they and the engines were done at Andile. He would he would team manage, and then he would he would drive the thing on race day and be very quick, as you know, as quick as I was, um, and it n never really put a foot wrong. Mm -hmm. So he he was the best all round person I ever ever oh, worked really? with. Which and I don't think he ever gets any ac enough accolades for what oh, he did. Really? But it was such a s short space of time. But, but really. no, not necessarily because don't forget that as well as winning IMSA titles in the eighties. He won IMSA titles with Chevrolet yes. in the 70s. Yes. So, so, yeah, in terms of Porsche, obviously, his sort of, you know, his time was cut yeah. short. But, he, you know, he had a significant career mm. uh, before then. You know, and he was not really so much within our remit or maybe on the verges of it is, you know, he was a, he was a handy Can-Am driver in sort of... It was amazing. Mark II well, Can-Am. And IndyCar, yeah. you know what I mean? He, he was so versatile. It was, it was absolutely amazing. So, so I don't, it, it's so, I mean, you've got a heck of a difficult task. You see, if you really go back, John Wire did a hell of a lot because of, you know, Aston Martin for, for the GT40. And then, of course, with the, you know, with the 917 and then the Mirage. I mean, he yeah. was out there for 10 or 12 mm. years, wasn't he? Just, just going back to Holbert, just to, to uh, throw in some stats, uh, 49 IMSA wins uh, during his career. Mm which, you know, is, is, you know, the original IMSA, yes. that's, um, that's a record. Yeah, sure it is. So, uh, no, it's amazing. Oh, and take him as an all-rounder. I'm going to throw two names in, um, who I think are both very worthy to be um, put into the pot. Uh, Pirro and Phil Hill, who I think, well, I mean, Pirro, five-time Le Mans winner. Anyone who can do that, Derek, has obviously done a reasonably good job. Bloody Should good, yeah. yeah. Beat um, as well, yeah. given that they... Uh, <laughs> So uh, it's talking that you know the five wins club. We should should we throw Frank Beeler in there as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. Piro and Beeler, um, and Phil Hill because he, uh, I mean, he won Sebring lots. He he won loads of sports car races, and um, he was just, uh, I think, an extremely quick, um, safe safe driver. Would you, yes, would you agree with with Piro? Um, well, like, you Bieler? can't you can't dispute it. I mean, mm. the, the, all the people you're talking about are so good. I mean, what a group. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's why you're doing what you're doing. You have twelve people. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to find the twelve, or to select the twelve out of the twenty-five yeah. you probably got. I, I mean, guess Phil Hill. I think uh, I don't know enough about his history, although I've got his book, um, but or one of his books. Haven't you got uh, a book out, Derek? It's available all, all good bookstores <laughs> from the remainder bin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Um, but I uh, know, I mean, I think Phil was so versatile and drove so many things. And when you think he was one of the few drivers that came to Europe in that period from America. And no doubt if you check into the, the races he did in sort of remote places like, you know, the Bahamas, you know, Speed Week mm -hmm. and all those sort of things that those drivers went and did. I mean, he's certainly really up there. I, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I mean, I think you, you've got you should look at bit more of their sort mm -hmm. of their history. Did, did you ever race against Phil Hill? Because I'm just thinking your career's probably 
just no. abutted rather than overlapped. No, I don't think so. No. no. Um, a couple of other names from the motorsport office: uh, Beloff and Bob Wallach. Yes, they were both thrown into the pot. What are your thoughts on those? Well, they're both. Uh, both. I mean, again, outstanding. They 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 do deserve accolades. Of course, they do. Stefan wasn't there long enough, but then, you know, what he made it, such an impression. He made such he an impression in such a short space shone of time. So brightly, it didn't did, it? didn't it? For yes, for he was outstanding. Mm. I mean, he was. I mean, he was no doubt the quickest of all the drivers I ever raced with. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Did they deliberately pair him with you to sort of? Almost to sort of chew. They wanted you, the sort of the old hand, as it were, yeah. to sort of tutor him. Thanks, perhaps. Gary. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> you're, you're getting up there too. Don't worry. But perhaps um, calm him down, even. Yeah. Well, they did the same with Stucky. I mean, Stucky mm -hmm. told me three or four years ago. He said, "Oh, there's another one, for example." But well, he's actually he's on, on the list. list yeah, of course. That's, I mean, that's, you, that's you know, um, Stucky is, was really Stuck Hans was. I would say Hans was as just as was just as quick as Beloff. Oh, really? Honest. Yeah, I think so. Just that we saw him later on in his career, rather yes. probably like me. I mean, in some ways, but no, just I think Stuck was a, just and he kept going a lot longer on on Beloff. Mm. I mean, the, obviously the famous six minute eleven lap yes. of the Nordschleife, and then the the accident yes. that he had when he he uh, wrote the car off. That tell us the story about you going on to the pit bull and saying that. You know, maybe they needed to rein him back. They didn't. Yeah. He set the record, and then never came round. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I. I'd never won at the Nurburgring, and mm. it was like you know, you can imagine there's certain racetracks, and you say Paul didn't win there, but I, you won elsewhere. I, I know that, but you know, there's always you go, God, I win this damn thing, and I had Formula Two records there, lap records, and but never won, and they even did a two Grand Prix there, and that sort of thing, and sports car races leading until the last lap, but never won. And we were well in the lead, and I'd, I thought I'd kept my end up, I guess, because mm -hmm. we hadn't lost the lead when I got in. And um, I still did some of my quickest laps, but they weren't quite as quick as his. And, and um, you know, I went up to Helmut Bott, who was in the pits, and I said, uh, it's like 14 minutes to go. It'd be quite a good idea. I mean, shall we? Um, why don't you tell him to hold or mm -hmm. take it easy or whatever you want? Okay. Stop doing what he's yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah, and he said, he just looked at me and said, isn't he brilliant? And then turned around to the team, and I went, and he didn't come round again. Well, soon after that. So you know, I, I, I he he was brilliant overall. I'm not going into his life or lack or the fact he didn't end up with a life. He was astonishingly good. I was always just disappointed, and it's in his book when I was uh, interviewed. I don't think some he was never managed properly. Oh, really? I felt well. I don't you think the fact that they let him drive? I mean. Any, anything else, you get to, hey, calm down a bit, old son. What mm -hmm. have they done with Verstappen? Everybody's telling you better calm down a bit. Mm -hmm. But they never told Stefan. Do you think he, there was no one there? No, there was no one there. Out. And I was always a bit disappointed uh -huh. in the people around him, remembering he was in a Formula One team as well. Yes. That somebody didn't say, actually, this kid's bloody brilliant, but we need really need to sort of make him realise how good he is. Or, Ken Tyrrell would well, have I didn't, done that. Well, I didn't mention you? his name. And I when he went to Formula One, I thought, thank goodness for that. You know, he's... I think Ken will rein him in the way yeah. he sort of calms Francois Sever probably and, mm -hmm. and whatever, even with Jackie Stewart. And I just thought when he went um, you know, to Tyrrell, he would, mm -hmm. would make a change. But um, maybe he was unchangeable. And maybe if Ken, bless him, could talk, he would say, I did try, Derek, but he yeah. didn't respond. So You see, he didn't know his limits. There have been lots of drivers over the years that didn't know their limits. Mm -hmm. And not many of them are here. Um, we are very sadly out of time, but what I want to—I'd run through the names with you of what we've got, 
um, being the 2016 winner, I think you should have final say on this, Derek. Um, uh, and sort of some feedback from you, Gary, as well would be great. So Redmond, Rodriguez, and Alford. Yes. Happy with those three. Uh, Piro, Bieler, Phil Hill. Yeah. Happy with those three. Siffert, Wire, and Singer. Yes. How many have we got, actually? We've got Not 12 this. here. Ah, okay. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. ask whether the likes of Barnato should be dropped. Because of all it, yeah, Dropped and in. and but Dropped. is he is he a bigger is he a better name than any of these? Because he did so much. Well, obviously, a man who has an unbeaten record yeah. uh, at Le Bon, won, entered three times, wins three times. Mm. Uh, important in the history of Bentley, you know, mm. saved the company, owned it. Um, yeah, but then I would say Pescarolo, you know, an amazing uh, yeah. career as a driver. And what about Yurst? And you know, yes, yeah. If you're getting I think into team we, could, we could we could argue them all. Although maybe Derek won't argue for Ludwig, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I and Jean I, de Bion, you know, yeah, Jean de Bion, who goodness. was the sort of you know the X of his era. of his era. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, well, we. Am I allowed to throw any other names into the well, hat? Or we, we, is that we, for next year? Um, okay, well, we've got the the twelve at the moment: uh, Redmond, Rodriguez, Alford. Piro Bieler, Phil Hill, Siffert, Wyatt, Singer, Al Holbert, Beloff, Hanstuck. Uh -huh. So if we're going to put any more in there, we've got to be willing to drop one of those. And and are you willing to say any of those aren't or not 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 worthy because they can always come back in next year? Yeah. But for this year, um, would you be happy to lose any of those off the list? Because I think uh, there is an argument, um, a very valid argument for all of those people. Mm -hmm. And likewise, there are very valid arguments for a lot of the people we're leaving off. I mean, Adam and, Mesh, for example, and a few we haven't talked about. Who I'm going to say? Uh, right. Well, throw, well, throw Wallach. We didn't talk. We 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 just yeah, touched Wallach, on him very yeah. brief briefly. Um, uh, I'd like to put in. You know, if we have uh, Piro and Bieler, why not Capello? He's the overlooked sort of driver of that generation of Audi driver. You know, because perhaps he was always in the shadow of. Um, TK and uh, McNish, we forget that he is a three-time Le Mans winner. I hold the record for the most Sebring wins, doesn't he, I think? Uh, I might have got that wrong. Certainly not me, anyway. Um, <laughs> well, then, and that brings us back to Andy Wallace, who, because uh, I wanted Wallace. to talk, I wanted to talk about uh, the uh, Morris Sharazzi Auto Toy Star year when you did, when uh, perhaps you did win Sebring, and then you would have joined the uh, Triple Crown Club. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not saying anymore. We haven't got time. No, <laughs> but you're totally right. We would have done. Well, I would Just say what a horrible little car it was. Yeah, I'm going to say for me, Siffert, yes, Wire, yes, Singer, 100 percent, Holbert, Beloff, Stuck. Then we we all seem agreed there, and then I think we've got the sort of Piro's, Beelers, Hills, Wallachs, uh, Wallaces, and Capello sort of fighting it out for the remaining slots so how's my maths one two three four five six seven eight nine so we i reckon we've got yeah a few so others we've got to decide we've got to pick three from I'd these names i would love Hero, to Bina, see Hill, Wallach, Capello, bob wallach Wallace. in it because for me he was a hero uh you know he's he didn't win le mans sterling moss didn't win the world championship yeah. it doesn't affect no. the hall of fame is not about yeah. stats um, it's, so it's about, about I think he, he's a legend, and you know, he just he, the length of his career yes. and the he achievements was always, yeah. he was still racking up yeah. in his fifties. I know an you, Iron Man. 
Yeah. But he was an Iron Man. He he was unbelievably strong. I mean, I said, "How the hell do you do it, Bob?" He just kept going under all these conditions, you know. And is it true? Back in the sort of eighties, he was a chain smoker. Is that right? Oh, do you yeah, remember that? Yeah. I don't remember it, but I know yeah. he did smoke. Yeah. 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 Well, what about Beeler, for God's sake? Well, yeah, it's quite. Okay, so let's put a tick next to Wallach. Um, we've got two more to choose from that from that list of six names. Derek, why don't you pick one to to go in from from that list of six? Call the, the casting vote, and then we'll then we'll what we'll uh, do out is of we'll this six, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, no. So Wallach's already in. So yeah, out of this five, so I can't even count. Yeah. Um, and so uh, then then on on your head be it, and it's yeah, not. I think Phil Hill. <laughs> I'd say Phil Hill and Wallace. Phil Hill and Wallace out of those. So we're leaving only that because Hero, I think time Lamar, yeah, but there's I, I think there's plenty that, of time. Yeah, but he can come back next year. Yeah, no, he can absolutely. Hero, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Let's absolutely. bring him in. You know, I mean, I had to wait a bloody long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember Jackie got in ten years ago. Well, it's, to be fair, it hasn't been going ten years. It's only been going for a few years. I've well, obviously the one been I went to some big place in the middle of London. I went in there. Yeah, probably uh, probably five years ago. Yeah, yeah. it was very ago. impressive. I mean, I've, event, I've always been pushing every year, Derek, to, to get you into the Hall of Fame. You're very so, kind. Yeah. No, but I didn't expect to be. No, but you see, I didn't expect it. To me, it should have been there before me, and and I. You know, I haven't followed it enough to who got it in the other years. Obviously, Fanjo should have got it. Sterling should. I mean, the people you got that have got it ahead of me were. I would never attempt to be yeah. in that. To be that fair, world. so last year was the first time we actually split it into categories. Yes. And so, you know, sports cars have their own category, yes, and yes. US racing, Formula yeah. One, motorbikes. Um, and uh, this is the second year of it, mm. which I think is great because it, it means that, you know, some of these names we wouldn't be discussing if you were only allowed to induct yes. four people from the world of motor racing. Yes. Um, but well, I think it's really good that we can throw these into the box. Yeah. So, There's okay. so many, that's the problem. I, I think, um, Could we just finish with, now Andy's got into, Andy Wallace has yeah. made the cut. Could we finish with an Andy Wallace story? We've got to tell us a, a story about McLaren, Dave Price Racing, Harrods, 1995, the near miss at Le Mans with Justin. I haven't got time for that. Really. Yeah, we do. Yeah, well, just a quick, just a quick story. story. Well, you, you should have come along to the Brooklands last Saturday yeah, right, night. Okay. We had a get-together with, with, um, with um, Gordon Murray and, mm. and Andy yes, and I me saw, and I Dave saw. Price. Okay. And um, who else was there by me? And Dave Price, I said, yeah, who else was it? Anyway, anyway, there was, Justin couldn't make it, but he did. He sent across a piece from America with uh -huh. he and Jay Leno in Jay Leno's garage. Oh, really? oh, okay. It's a great piece. Uh -huh. And in the background, they had the McLaren. He's got on the wall at Jay's place, and mm. I've been there three times now. But it's a bloody great wall. And you walk in, and there is the Harrods car and the you know, clinic car side by side going down the walls. Oh, really? straight. And underneath it, he, but it's big. It, it's just the mm -hmm. size of a house. And I walked in, I went, oh, so you do like let, in big time racing oh, then, right, Jay. Right. And it's still there. And in front of you, had three more McLarens now. Oh, so right. Justin did it yeah, in front oh, with Jay just chatting. It was really good. Oh, and they, right. they brought that into the evening mm -hmm. show. No, it, it's, it's, too, it's really too long a story. And you know, having been at the weekend with everybody, I'm totally confused as to what really happened. You know, I know that we finished third, but yeah. just to, well, it was the clutch release bearing. Yeah, well, it what it was and it wasn't. It was the, I sort of we always learned, but it was more than that to it. Basically, what happened is what I understood from what took place, unbeknown to us, anybody mm -hmm. that was there the other night, the McLaren did a test with the Uno Clinic car, a twenty-four hour mm -hmm. test at Paul Ricard. Yeah, that wasn't so, secret. Well, we none of the people said they knew about oh, right, it. Okay. I certainly didn't, but then I was driving everywhere else. But they, the McLaren, these guys, our team, didn't know about it. And so when they came, and, and sure, somebody did, but whatever, 
the suggestion was that the 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 the, the clutch release bearing that had been quitting in most of the short distance races and hence mm. we all thought we wouldn't finish with doing more than six hours um th it was recommended that they should use the standard this is gordon murray speaking the other night they recommended they should use the standard slave cylinder and clutch system that was on the road car because mm -hmm. that's what they'd learned doing that and somebody in our team supposedly said no, don't believe in that. Uh -huh. Nobody's tested that enough. We don't believe it. Right. So we didn't run it. And Gordon Murray said, without, asked the other, he said, without a doubt, you were going to win that race. That's, said, that's not the story I've heard from w within DPR. But uh, No, well, that's why I was with DPR. Uh, but you worked with Gordon Murray the other night, uh, who right. was a mastermind of the car. Yes. And he said he knew what took place, and he was most adamant that um, it was what I just told that you. This, this, this doesn't uh, quite correspond with what uh, someone else has told me from within the guy who engineered the uh, McLaren Eva. So, uh, so I think so uh, it's like another podca podcast. This, I think isn't this it? is it's a podcast. The whole podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, if you got that lot in, you'd end up not talking. We yeah. all did go and have dinner afterwards. Oh, right. It was. He obviously wasn't. I mean, Gordon Murray is such an amazing man. But I. You know, it would, there was also other innuendo in there. The fact that there was a factory car in it, and yes, they say there course. wasn't, and we all know it was. Yes, uh, I don't say it was official factory, but the fact was that car had never appeared until well, that guy came in from Japan and said, "I've got the money. Yeah. Let's run a car." The factory owned it. The factory put the team together. Factory employed the drivers. I make that a factory car, don't you? I'm not saying a word because <laughs> I thought the same. Because the last time you did, Ron Dennis shouted at you. <laughs> So there you go. Yeah. Gordon Murray always said that one of his great regrets is not driving that car on the roads to Le Mans yeah. and back again after oh, really? the race. Yeah, yeah he, he said, said that, that this week too. That was the dream was yeah. to drive one of them on the road, yeah. yes. And it was because I've driven that. I've driven the Harrods car around France. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it Dave, is, it's, it's, Dave Clark's got it on plates at the moment, hasn't yes, he? Yes, oh yeah. No, I, he drives it, I think, quite, quite a oh, bit, really? even at 25 million. Um, but he, uh, <laughs> probably not in London, but... So I know we did a rally, a fabulous rally, British car rally from Louis Vuitton in London down to mm -hmm. Paris and one, one weekend, one spring or something. And, and Gordon was in his McLaren and some, there were three or four, and Nick Mason was in his and various other cars. And I, I was in a Nick Mason's 3.8 Jag. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, Dave said, you should drive the McLaren day. How many people have actually raced in the Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market and then driven mm -hmm. it through France. So I did, and it was oh, really? just fantastic. Absolutely. Here, here's a story. Can I get one last story? Yeah, go on, go on. People, people say about the top speed of the McLaren in mm -hmm. 1995, but it wasn't the quickest the McLaren went 
uh, around Le Mans that that uh, that year because the race car had a rear wing and a restrictor, uh, so that actually made it slower in a straight line than a road car. JJ Leto drove to a restaurant in I think Ray Belm's road car and apparently went faster than he did in the race car on the road. Wow. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, I'd never heard that one either. Anyway. Um, Derek, it's been an absolutely fantastic hour and 20 minutes, as it always is with you. Um, so many stories. And I'm sorry, we, we always seem to sort of scratch the surface, but we, um, I, th- I think we've got a few, few good ones in there. I hope you all enjoyed listening. Um, and I'm very glad we have 12 names for the, for to, for the yes. public to vote on. Um, I'm sure I know we will have missed people out, but there's always more years and um, we will get them in, get them in then. Derek, thank you so much for having us um, in your beautiful house. And Gary, thank you so much for for joining us and helping us out on the nominations. Thank you. We'll see you uh, next month for another Hall of Fame podcast. Bye bye for now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.